Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime in Hertz County on this beautiful global warming Saturday right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL. A little rainy today, but it's been a beautiful spring so far. Folks, we thank you for tuning into our show as you've been tuning in every Saturday morning right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL for this distinct, compelling discussion. Because you know that we carry a perspective here on this show unlike any other shows anywhere else in Southeast Pennsylvania. And you want to hear our perspective, and you want to hear our expert opining, which is why you tune in, So, and our prudent discussion. So thank you for being with us today. We're going to jump right into it. I want to get a little bit into, uh, you know, what what is going on with laws in, right now in California. And we'll talk uh, a little bit about that and, you know, the laws that are attacking families. We want to talk about, the Biden, uh, the Biden White House, and what's going on with Hunter Biden, and you know how the networks all ignore the bombshell whistleblower claims. We want to talk about that. How Merrick Garland is giving us his assurances that that he is being honest, and that's that's reassuring. And uh, obviously, we want to talk about that, and we want to get into some of the uh, issues about Trump's favorables and whatnot as they grow across the country, and. Uh, uh, the Pennsylvania GOP uh, congressional in, uh, contingency endorsed Trump. And again, all that and uh, a whole lot more. So we're going to jump right into it. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the laws. And California uh, passed laws, if you will. They're looking to pass laws right now that attack families. One of those laws is to is to charge people that live there for every mile they drive. Now, that's pretty compelling. Considering the fact that people travel many miles, I think it's really interesting that, you know, but what we've been saying on this show is becoming to fruition. We've been saying on this show the reason that there's a big push for electric cars, the main reason for this is because electric cars are, are the way that the government can limit your driving. They can limit your travel. They can limit your your ability to, <clears throat> to go from place to place, in the, in, you know, in where you live. You know, having to keep your, char- your car charged or whatnot, that's always been a problem. That will be a problem. So electric cars, I mean, in addition to the fact that they're very costly to build, in addition to the fact that they're very harmful to the environment with the components that, are, that go into the battery that are mined out of planet Earth and how they have to mine this out of planet Earth to make these batteries. I mean, aside from all of that, aside from the fact that these batteries are made in battery companies in China, uh, aside from all of that, there's a tremendous disservice that these EVs, these electric cars do for Americans. I mean, uh, having to charge your car before you drive is a problem. And, and literally being limited on your driving ability until the car is charged is always going to be a problem. Uh, the fact is that you can get in your car and just put the key in and go. And if you have to go to a gas station, you can put five minutes into that and a five-minute fill-up, and then you've got a full tank of fuel, whereas a charger, even the quick charge they have, is 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 likely to be at least 30 to 45 minutes. And and these are just not acceptable timelines for people in a hurry, okay? Just not. And so we know that, and we've been calling that out on this show. You also have the the the, the idea that now Ford is, uh, their, they, Ford has de- devolved their, their company, they, they, They've split their company into three, three components, three main components. One of them is the uh, the fossil fuels automobile that the car everybody wants. 
The other one is their commercial division for the trucks and whatnot. And then the other one is their EV division. So they've actually created an electric, electric division. Now, they did this, I believe, because they knew that they could write off the taxes of the losses of this new division. So what happens is these companies figure out how to evade the, te- the losses on their profit and loss statements that they anticipate due to investments that they're delving into because they're getting tax breaks for them. So what's happening is that through a complicated uh, mess, if you will, a complicated web that the army of IRS agents are making possible, the uh, Ford Motor Company is, and other motor car divisions are are creating these these third divisions, these division of electric vehicles, so that they can write off the losses more more clearly. They anticipate Ford anticipates that they're going to have about a three billion that's three with a B billion uh, dollar loss in that division. Any company losing three billion dollars is generally not going to be in business very long. Why are they losing? I mean, why do they only sell 5,000 cars, uh, you know, across North America? Why did Ford only sell 5,000 electric vehicles in two months across North America? Why is that? And, you know, there's a lot to be said of that. So these electric car companies understand that people don't want them. Okay, so the people don't want these cars, so they're not buying them. So California is getting a little flustered because they passed a law in California about a year or two ago. That said, they're going to outlaw gas cars. Going to outlaw gas cars in California. Basically, you can't even buy them or new ones, I should say. And so, you know, what's going to happen is that they're going to try to force these people in the electric cars. Well, again, people aren't buying them. So, what California is trying to do is create the create the environment to where they like, you know, where where these electric cars and where these laws can survive. So, what they're doing is. They're preparing society with some punishing regulations and new laws and new punishing regulations so that they can literally, uh, you know, bring in electric cars in spite of what people want. So in California right now, they're passing a law that's, you know, they've done this. They're going to outlaw gas cars. But now they're also going to, um, they're also going to be charging people for the mileage that they drive. You know, what's compelling is you've got these people that pass these laws. Do you think they're going to be suffering from the laws? Do you think they're going to feel the pain from these laws that they're passing? Folks, we can understand and we understand here in Southeast Pennsylvania that that's not the case. See, we're all realists on our show here on The Point. We know, okay, here, that that you know that, that these people pass these laws for, for, for you and me, but not for thee, not for themselves. And so what they're doing is they want these laws to be passed. So what happens to the California that uh, these lawmakers, what happens to these rich people in California that are they going to feel this pain? No, they're going to always have a charged vehicle or they're always going to have a car with gas. I mean, you know, they, they, they're always going to be flying in their private jets. They're going to outlaw your car. They're going to outlaw your gas car, but they're not outlawing your own private jets. Think about that, folks. And the real sham of it all is Barack Hussein Obama and many others who are advocating for this these crazy, insane laws to punish Americans, they own beachfront property. So they understand that the ocean levels are not rising. They know this. If they did, they wouldn't invest in everything in a beachfront property. So th- this, is the, this is the fact that we can all understand and know what's going on every day. Okay? So what we have to realize, and we have to, we have to know, is that 
that what's going on right now with the laws and, and what's going on is they're trying to tax these people. So now they don't want you. They want to make sure people cannot drive at will. They want to make sure that they, they just can't jump in their car and, and go somewhere. And, you know, and I think what it comes back to is, well, why, why do they want to prevent that? Well, you know, they want to prevent you, me and others from uh, from having the ability to travel. I think it's just control. I mean, why was it important to them to to keep people in masks when they knew it wasn't the case? We're just now finding out about the studying emails that's uh, that that the uh, that we know that uh, that were just obtained from the Freedom of Information Act. Okay, that showed uh, you know that showed the uh, you know uh, the Center for Disease Control Prevention Director Ro- Rochelle Walensky, as she had gotten some emails where. They, they, they knew that this virus was, they knew that people that got vaccinated were getting sick. They knew that people that got the vaccination were spreading these these viruses. They knew all this was happening. I mean, I believe I got my COVID infection from a vaccinated person. I believed it then, and now I even more believe it. You know, when you get vaccinated, you, you not only protect your own health, they say, they used to say, but that you're protecting your family. See, that they were trying to basically make this thing like it was a, like it was getting vaccinated was that was essential to saving everybody in your life, but they were overlooking the basic fact that they knew that people were getting sick from these, you know, in spite of the vaccinations. I mean, they knew that the vaccination breakthrough, they knew that there was infections, and so did Tony Fauci. They knew this, okay, and they continue to push the mandates anyway. I mean, this is a fact. These emails came out. They knew, again, that the vaccination, that, that, that they knew that people were getting sick from it, okay? They knew that was going on, but they were pushing this vaccination anyway. They knew that people were getting sick after they'd been vaccinated. They understood that. They also understood that the unvaccinated people that did not get vaccinated because they had the infection, that they were healthier after the, their first infection. You know, they were, you know, bottom line is they pushed the vaccination mandate anyway. These people were a whisper away from banning people from going to work, okay, uh, because of these vaccinations. And they knew, okay, they knew uh, about these vaccinations early on. They knew they weren't preventing anything, but they were pushing them all the same. These are things you can't miss, folks. Well, these are the same people right now that are pushing electric vehicles and uh, on Californians. And right now, California, the land of the crazies, even becoming more crazy, okay, because now what they've got is they've got um, a new situation in California where they're basically saying to people, okay, uh, you know, you your kids, okay, your kids uh, cannot, you know, you cannot interfere with your child's, uh, your child's health care. Your child, you cannot, as a parent, interfere, it's against the law, to interfere with your child's gender affirmation. <laughs> so they're making it very difficult for parents to be parents. I mean, I heard one Republican lawmaker in California make a claim that if you've got children and you live in California, get out now. Get out now. You know, California is losing population. California is losing its its head. Uh, but the people that are staying there are able to, to take care of their own bills and whatnot. They're able to provide for themselves. This is what happens. But don't miss that. I, I think it's a very important distinct thing to make here. And that's that's what I'm talking about. I mean, you look, California right now is is just in the in 
what you're seeing from these leftists, what, what are they doing there? Okay, these leftists are outside uh, every day. Um, you know, they're out there pushing these laws. You want to know what these people want to do to Americans. Just don't go very, you don't have to go much farther than California to see it for yourself, okay? But let's talk a little bit about what's going on with uh, with ABC News and CBS News and their evening programming and how they're ignoring the bombshell whistleblower claims of the Hunter Biden's preferential treatment from the Department of Justice. I mean, this is what's really an amazing thing. So the IRS whistleblower allegations that, that Hunter Biden received preferential treatment, that's out there. Okay, House Republicans released transcripts of two IRS whistleblowers, one of whom provided evidence that Biden himself was present when Hunter Biden pressured a Chinese business partner to send them millions of dollars. Now, that's pretty uh, that's pretty aggressive. And the second whistleblower also said, stated that the Department of Justice interfered in the effort to investigate Hunter Biden for tax crimes, although O'Biden's attorney general recently claimed otherwise. See, but the network television news, all right, ABC, CBS, NBC, their, their programming ignored the whistleblower's publicly, avail- publicly available testimony provided by the House Ways and Means Committee. So they just ignored it. Why would they do that? Why do, why do Americans believe that they, I mean, why would they ignore it? I don't, I don't cut it. I, I don't understand that. Why would they ignore that? You know, you've heard us say on this show that this is the, uh, the the media itself is the fake news, and we've also called it the Pravda or the propaganda networks. They're 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 the branch or a wing, if you will, of the Democrat Party. These people are truly okay. They are truly corrupt in their own way. I've said it before, and I'll say it a hundred times. If they were selling news, they would report the news. If their job was to if they were trying to sell advertising, if they were trying to support their viewership by increasing more viewers, if that was their mission to increase views, I like to see what their mission is anymore. It's their mission to to accurately and aggressively report the news so as to so as to uh you know, so as to uh you know, to add to, to increase viewers. Is that their goal? Is that their mission statement? Is that their mission statement? Because honestly, it should be their their new their their mission statement should be to to objectively and impartially, uh, you know, report the news, report what's news, and then put it out there for the American people to see and understand it. But if that was their claim, that was their play. Then why aren't they doing that? Why would they ignore something as significant as this? This is something people can't understand. You know, when you have, according to recent polling, 50% of Americans believing that the national media intended to mislead, inform, or persuade the public, you know, that's the truth. Half of the, half the public doesn't trust the news anyway. And 35% say most news organizations can't, but 35% trust the news. So only one third of Americans trust the news. But, you know, that's what they do. They, this is the corrupt system that we live in. <clears throat> we have to ask ourselves... <clears throat> Uh, I think it's important for us to understand, you know, what their purpose is. Why aren't they revealing this? Are they trying to promote Joe O'Biden? Is that what they're trying to do? I think it goes more deep. I think it goes more, it's more sinister than that. It goes deeper than that. I believe the news is part of the corrupt system. Okay, the same corrupt system that John Durham reported on. Okay, we we all know what happened. The Durham report was happening in 
again, Durham just testified to Congress and Adam Shifty, actually, the one that, the, the king of all liars, the one that sits on a throne of lies, okay, uh, literally, Adam Shifty uh, was was grilling, uh, John, uh, was grilling John Durham. But see, we understand all this. We know what happened. Trump was spied on. And this is known with great clarity. See, what happened was, they, and they, they, they bring our, our listeners up speed a little bit. Back in during, I want to say back in July of the campaign season in 2016, in July, <clears throat> the DNC, they had emails that were released on WikiLeaks. Those emails that were released on WikiLeaks <clears throat> revealed that Hillary Clinton was actually uh, being favored over Bernie Sanders. So the DNC was giving preferential treatment to Hillary Clinton, okay? So they were uh, putting their finger on the scale for her. And then those emails, those emails that WikiLeaks released all showed all of that. They revealed the details behind all of that. It was so bad that Debbie Washerman Schultz resigned as the DNC chair. That's how bad that the corruption was on all of this. So she quits her, her job from the DNC chair. She leaves it. She walks away from it. And, uh, but they're trying to do damage control. Now, we all remember Podesta. John Podesta had his emails <clears throat> hacked. Now, what happened was he fell for a phishing scam. So Podesta actually fell for an email phishing scam, which I think brought in this. Who knows how it got in? But somebody brought in these these hackers and the the dnc and the Clint, hillary clinton wanted to make it look like donald trump did okay so in order to do this they 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 basically created all this phoniness and uh behind the scenes so they created a fake crime they, they basically created fake evidence okay using this email hack as their as their crime and they created fake evidence that people knew it was fake. <clears throat> now, what's interesting is, and what we're seeing is what happens with these, you know, with these liberals. Okay, so when James Comey lied, when James Comey got amnesia 235 times under oath when he was testifying, couldn't remember anything. What happened to James Comey? Well, when he couldn't remember anything, got selective amnesia. He ended up as a as a talk host, as a talk show host. One of the fake news specialists on CNN and MSNBC. MSNBC. What happened with when uh, Andrew McCabe lied to Congress several times? What happened with when Clapper and Brennan lied? Okay, well they all lied to Congress. They all got speaking roles, if you will, on CNN, CNN and MSNBC. So this fake news was out there, and we all knew what Durham was going to report on that Trump was spied on, and we knew that he would be clear on it. And, you know, basically he said they were trying to create interference in a narrative and they were trying to frame Trump. This is what this is all about. <laughs> so Trump's computers were actually hacked at the Trump Tower and the property on and at his property in New York's West End. And the hacker was a guy by the name of Joffe. So Joffe hacks Trump's servers, his computers, okay? This guy Joffe hacks Trump's computers. And then he got into the executive office of the president. Okay. So there were there are a lot of connections to the Brookings Institute, which which is a number one socialist anti-American think tank in Washington. But there's a link between 
the president of the Brookings Institute, the Clinton campaign, and linked to the DNC and the Steele dossier. It's all kind of linked together and very distinctly, as a matter of fact. And this was sold to the FBI with collaborators within the FBI. So James Colley and Andrew McKay and Peter Strzok, okay, to create a package, if you will, to sell to the FISA court. So Igor Danchenko was, has been added, was also, he was indicted as well. And he was Fiona Hill's former research assistant. Now, Fiona Hill, in addition to conjuring up the Ukrainian phone call impeachment fiasco, we all remember that, that perfect phone call. She was a White House staffer who connected Christopher Steele to Igor Danchenko to allow the phony dossier to get to the FBI. So Fiona Hill was connected to Charlie Dolan, who was a Clinton operative to Igor Danchenko. So this guy Dolan works for, you know, he's an operative for Clinton, and he works for Igor Danchenko, and he knew Fiona Hill. So there's the link there. So that's why uh, Fiona Hill was able to... uh, connect Dolan to Danchenko. So Fiona Hill, all right, uh, we all wish, you see, she was lying to Congress, okay? But there's a triangle of indictments on, on, the, on the merchants of menace for this phony Russian dossier. And this is what John Durham exposed. And again, what happened was we had the indictment of Sussman who represented uh, the Clinton campaign, okay, the DNC the DSC, the law firm, and Fusion GPS channeling tens of millions to create and perpetuate the biggest fraud in history. So he took the hoax from Joffe to the FBI director, Baker, Jim Baker, the chief counsel. And Joffe gave this hoax to Sussman, who was the lawyer for the Clinton campaign. Think about that. So here comes the other indictment, second indictment. John Durham, which was the FBI's attorney, Kevin Kleinsmith. So with his indictment, the FBI itself was, in fact, indicted. Okay, so here we are now. Fast forward to the FBI non-indictment of, of, and the sweetheart deal, if you will, that Hunter Biden got. Okay, and Merrick Garland is saying, well, he'll make sure that we're not going to allow the Department of Justice to be attacked as it's attacking democracy. So we're going to listen to Merrick Garland lecture us on democracy. We're going to listen to him defend the FBI during this press conference because, after all, Republican frustrations over the stonewalling of their requests for information related to Hunter Biden, but not even withstanding that, he's you know he, he's calling on the American people, the American first people, the MAGA people. He's calling on them as he's tagging them as terrorists because at, at school board meetings because they want to prevent. Parents are being thrown out of school board meetings because parents oppose or are opposed to the the, the horrible edu- horrible lack of education that their kids are getting. So anyway, so you know they're all they're all to this, okay? And and they even want to call, they even want to call this 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 again. He's such a hack. I mean, Attorney General Garland is out there basically trying to expand the FBI. Those talks are 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 tacked to the integrity of the Justice Department and as you know, as components and its employees by claiming that they don't treat cases alike. He's saying that's an attack on the institution and on democracy. So now when we on our show here come out and say, well, that Merrick Garland is putting his finger on the scale for Hunter Biden 
and Merrick Garland denies the fact that the FBI was in fact indicted with what happened, okay, uh, in the John Durham report. He, he doesn't mention Kevin Kleinsmith in his speech. I thought that was interesting. I mean, you know, the FBI was in fact indicted. But whatever the case is, these people are out there. Christopher Fay Ray uh, listened at the get. He's another one that needs to go. He's the FBI guy. Like, they're all going to be busted up. They're all going to be living. See, the FBI director, Christopher Fay Ray, will either move to Boise, Idaho, where the FBI offices are going to be moved, or he's going to have to just retire. And then there'll be a new uh, Chris, uh, FBI director. All these people are going to end up having to relocate to some center of the country, state and city, because that's what Trump's going to do when he gets elected. He's going to take the FBI out of the beltway in Washington and move them to like Springfield, Missouri or something. You know, I would have removed them to some obscure town in Montana. That's what I would do with them. And I'd, I'd put them out there and build a brand new building out there and say, this is where you're going to be at, you know. I mean, why don't you take one of these high schools that aren't being used anymore? They've built all these, these Taj Mahals as high schools in these towns and these cities across the country as our children are now being uh, educated uh, on on on, uh, on computers anymore. But whatever the case is, uh, you know, this is what's happening across the country. You know, I, and we as Americans are, are tired of seeing this double standard. I can't, I can't even look at Merrick Garland. I can't even look at the guy. It's just amazing that smug little smile is. You know, but it's just going to be really, really interesting. I mean, this guy was a whisper from the from the, from the Supreme Court. You know, and again, you know, the Republicans released the transcripts of the whistleblowers and he wants to deny it all. And of course, none of it gets on the TV anyway. None of it does. But you got to ask the question, the five questions we got to ask. There's questions that we can ask to, to, to you know, that we have to ask to get to the bottom of all of this. You know, was Joe Biden in the room when Hunter Biden pressured a Chinese investor to send money? I mean, was he there? Because we know Biden himself said numerous times he never discussed anything with them. Okay, so we know that. So that's a very distinct thing here, okay? You know, and, and we know how that message went, okay, because it was obtained, okay, from the July 30th, 2017, when uh, when when uh, Hunter Biden was, was uh, texting or on the phone with Henry Zhao, and uh, Hunter Biden said, I'm sitting here with my father, and, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director, Ed, that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. Ed <clears throat> of Z. And he goes, and Zhao, if I get a call or a text from anyone involved in this other than you or the chairman, I will make certain that between the, the man sitting next to me and every person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. So now he makes that statement. Now we have that. So we have to ask, was O. Biden in the room when Hunter Biden pressured this Chinese investor? The next question is, did Merrick Garland <clears throat> block a request to appoint a special counsel to the Hunter Biden case? See, Merrick Garland told Congress that U.S. Attorney David Weiss in Delaware was given total freedom in pursuit of Hunter Biden's investigation and that there was no involvement from the U.S. Department of Justice in Washington, D.C. 
However, okay, this guy told Congress that Garland rejected a request from Weiss to appoint a special counsel after the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia refused to prosecute Hunter Biden there. So, you know, what you got to find out is, you know, what's, you know, what side is, is up there. So Garland needs to explain why he denied a request for a special counsel if Weiss was indeed given free reign. Now, the third question you got to ask is, did Merrick Garland mislead Congress about Weiss's ability to file cases in any state? You see, in March, Garland told the Senate that U.S. Attorney Weiss would be able to bring charges against Hunter Biden, if necessary, outside of Delaware. Okay, so did he mislead Congress about that? Was that his misleading statement? Okay, I just think that's interesting. He promises the American people in public testimony, okay, the prosecutor handling Hunter Biden's case, okay, could bring charges against O'Biden, Hunter O'Biden outside of Delaware. Well, was that a true statement or not? Did he lie or not? You know, Garland will almost certainly be asked to explain the discrepancy between his testimony and that of Shapley. I think that's interesting. The fourth question is, did the Department of Justice slow walk the Hunter Biden investigation to help Joe O'Biden? Now, see, Shapley testified that career officials at the Department of Justice deliberately stalled the investigation of Hunter Biden's tax violations so so they would hit the window before the 2020 election and therefore have an excuse not to act, presumably presumably to help Biden's chances, I guess, of winning the election. So after former Vice President Biden became the presumptive Democratic nominee for president in early April, career Department of Justice officials dragged their feet on the IRS making this investigation step. So that's interesting. This would be another example of the Department of Justice being politicized to not help but hurt. Okay. The fifth question is we got to ask this is did the Department of Justice obstruct justice by tipping off the Obites? This guy Shapley, he testified that the assistant U.S. attorney Wolf warned Hunter Biden's attorneys about potential aspects of the inquiry. In one case, she allegedly tipped him off about a possible search for Hunter Biden's business documents. See, now that's important too. So, you know, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago in December, the prosecutorial team met to discuss the next steps. One piece of information that came out that day of action was that Hunter Biden vacated the Washington, D.C. office and his documents all went up a storage unit in Northern Virginia. So the IRS prepared an affidavit in support of a search warrant for the unit. Now, Wolf allegedly stopped prosecutors from asking a witness about the infamous email found on Hunter Biden's laptop that 10% of a joint venture with the Chinese government went to the big guy, the big guy being O'Biden himself. So, you know, the bottom line is a group of people very close to the president, Hunter Biden, were tipped off by the FBI about being interviewed by, by investigators, meaning that most the most that most potential witnesses could not be interviewed. So what we have to understand is is, you know, obviously that it happened, but these are questions that they want to do. They want to get to the bottom of. And again, the, the mainstream media largely ignored the revelations that they propped uh several questions. Again, they 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 these questions I asked because the media has largely ignored these revelations.
And I think it's very, very compelling, you know. You know, you gotta you gotta ask the question, you know, why why are they why are they running why are they running from the facts? You know, why are they trying to change the story? Why what are they doing? You know, these Democrats, and again, you know, you, you wonder, you look at you look at what happened in across the country and, and and in a lot of these states right now. You're seeing you're seeing in a lot of the states right now, like Florida is going literally going blue. I mean red rather. Florida is is rolling a Republicans. Why is that? Because the people in the state are in fact, you know, happy with their life and happy with what's going on. They they want their they want to continue in the growth. The Republican wave in Florida grows stronger, leaving Democrats, and they're struggling to keep up. The GOP in Florida said sent on social media providing a list of statistics showing a list of voter registration facts. According to Florida's GOP list, Republicans in Florida have experienced an 830,000 increase since 2016, while Democrats have, have, have experienced a 100,000 vote decrease in the same time frame. That trend continues as Republican advantage has grown a quarter of a million since 2018. That's amazing. Democrat reg- registration has decreased by 160,000 since 2018. So the Florida GOP noted that 14 counties have flipped from blue to red since 2018 as well. You know, it's it's really, really an amazing thing. And I, I just say when you look at voter registration trends, it's really, really amazing. And, you know, why is that? Because I think when people see the Democrats, they run for the hills. That's why. Even here in Pennsylvania, I mean, Republicans are gaining a registration across the state. I mean, it's not as prominent as here in Florida, but the Democrats in the state, I believe, uh, well, I want to say they had a, uh, I want to say it was about a 600,000 vote increase uh, advantage, or maybe a half, a half a million vote advantage, vote advantage in the state voter registration advantage in the state. Now they're down to 300,000. So they've lost a couple of hundred thousand voter registration advantage that they had. And and that's the state registration numbers in Pennsylvania. So Pennsylvania is gaining more Republicans as well. And uh, I think that's, that's happening. I mean, but voter registration trends are like that all across the country. I mean, you know, when you look at... Um, in terms of registered voters, okay, registered voters, Republicans are are they lead Democrats five point three million to four point eight million. So in Florida, it's it's a half a million vote advantage, and that's just amazing. I mean, that's just an amazing thing, and that's what's happening in Florida. Okay, that you know, Ron DeSantis is a, bleeding like a like a Republican. He's strengthening the Republican Party in Florida. That's something that Joe Pataki. George Pataki did not do in, in New York. He ruined the Republican Party in New York. Ruined it. You know, that's what happens is when you disenfranchise your own party by, you know, by not voting, by not acting like a Republican when you're in charge. I remember when I was on the school board in Boyertown, I had a fellow Republican on the board with me, and, but he wasn't acting like a Republican. And so why don't you be a, why don't you act like a Republican? Why don't you do the Republican thing? I just thought that was interesting. But, you know, I mean, what's happening in, across the country in, in states like California? What's happening in California? I mean, what's happening in Oregon? What's happening in Washington State? I mean, these these states are passing laws that are hurting families. You know, you're asking the question, why are families, why are people running to the Republican Party? You know, what did Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez do? I mean, what happened at the Democrat Party? The Democrat Party 
has enlisted activist Jacobins. Okay, Jacobin revolutionaries that are activists. These are people who've never held a job. So these are people that don't hold a job. They don't work, okay? And when they do work, they hardly work. These are people that don't recognize the value of a good job. Okay, I mean, you look at some of these Generation Zers and Wires and Zers, and what they do is they don't, they would rather not have to pursue a job to make a car payment. Okay, it's just an interesting fact that you see all across the country. So what happened uh, with this Jacobin revolutionary, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, uh, when Amazon said, we want to open up a brand new warehouse, giant distribution center in her district. She, she chased them away. She said, take your stinking jobs out of here. Take this warehouse and your jobs out of here, you horrible capitalists. You know, we want to suffer here. See, she doesn't recognize the fact that the people that live in her district would, like her, be able to buy a second cup of cappuccino or maybe uh, go out to eat once a week or twice a week, like her. Or maybe you like her, have a cool house in the, in the summer and a warm house in the winter. I mean, they would like to have pursue a better pursuit of happiness. So here comes, you know, here comes Amazon to set up shop in her district and she chased them out. That's who these people are. That's who these people are. They, they don't want the success. They don't want the pursuit of happiness. They don't want this. You know, these people fight against these companies all the time. Okay, they're just out of touch. You know, and they're, and, and they're not, and, and you can just tell by the words that are coming out of their mouth, but look at the policies they pass, the oppressive, regressive policies that they pass. I mean, they're not family-friendly policies, okay? They're just not. They don't want these jobs. They don't want life. They don't want people to be independent. They want people to be dependent on them. They want those. They want that support. These people see themselves as smarter than anybody else. You know, they actually perceive themselves as the intellectual, intellectually superior to other people. They're the elitists. This is who they are. I mean, you know, I mean, I've had people uh, say to me that sometimes I get, I get a little, you know, I throw the red meat out there, the Republican Party. Let me help you understand. It doesn't take much right now to show these people up for what they are. You know, I mean, they hate God's creation. They really, really do. They hate it. Okay. You know, you look at you look at what faith is and what and what these people lack. You know, as Christians, we have a level of faith that we know that things are going to get better. Faith is is of itself. Well, first off, faith is the conviction of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. But when you look at what what faith really does, it, it's sort of like a Faith is sort of like a, a foundational thing. I mean, it really, uh, it's like, uh, I mean, first off, when we pass laws, there's, there's a, there's an, there is a, something that's built in our DNA, which is the, the found, it's a sound foundational law of morality is that evil must be punished and goodness is rewarded. And, you know, God has himself chosen to justify the uh, God himself has chosen to, to justify the ungodly, which is a shocking statement to the Jewish people. That's the problem they have with Christ. You know, he attracted such horrible people, okay? And, you know, you, you look at what, what happened in, in Western philosophy, the Epicurus, Epicurus, which the chief, the chief end of man is, it said the chief end of man is pleasure, and that 
not momentary immediate pleasure, but the long view, okay? You know, and you know what, and, and the thing of it is, is we talk a little bit about what hope is. You know, hope is is instilled in every person. You know, fear is existential and no human being is an authority, you know, I mean, basically on, on how to handle fear other than the fact that we, we know what the Word of God does. The Word of God gives us confidence in our, because the biggest thing that people are afraid of is death. You know, I mean, I understand why non-Christians are are afraid and scared of and fearful of dying. Right? Because there are the consequences that judgment are waiting, and death is something that the devil, you know, it's that death is something that the devil does to us, and we know that. Okay, but it's just interesting because we we need to understand what 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 hope is, and hope is the common grace that no one can live without hope. We have to understand that. So these Democrats are hopeless people, but they. They are just hopeless people. They they live their lives in this activism mode. They don't pursue. Uh, they don't give their jobs their best. They don't work their best on the jobs. They're they're more interested in shaping society and ruining society for people that are enjoying life. They hate people that are enjoying themselves because they're hopeless people. Think about it. You know, everyone hopes. We all hope that tomorrow's going to be better. We all hope to to meet somebody if we're single. We all. We all have children. We, we hope they get well when they get sick. Uh, hope is like a common grace that's built in our DNA. Hope helps us to survive the moment. Think about it. Think about what it would be like to be hopeless. You know, I mean, think about that. Something, you know, we, we all have to believe that something that is going on is going to get better. Along with the with hope, there's, there's the ignorance of the future. And we, and we don't know the future. We don't know what it is. Hey, we knew the future then we wouldn't need hope because hope wouldn't be necessary because knowing defies everything. We, we would know. You know, hope going makes the heart sick, so hopeless people are sick. That's what it is. People without hope, they end up in suicide notions. This is what happens. These people that live without hope, so you look at these people, and you have to realize that these people in, you know, in New York, okay, they're, they're looking for hope in society. They're looking for a job. They're looking for a career path, and they're hopeless the hopeless, hapless, you know, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez killed hope in, in New York by by killing Amazon's distribution center. Why would she do that? Because she's a hopeless individual who wants to instill hopelessness in her people. She doesn't she doesn't believe in hope. I mean, her only hope is to destroy society. You know, it's it's interesting. These people don't even they're so depraved and they're so depraved in their minds they can't even cope with what. They don't have an end game to this, okay? They're not looking for life to get better. They're looking for a perpetual hopelessness, a perpetual unrestlessness. They're looking to perpetuate trouble. They're looking to perpetuate the 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 the, the anguish in people, okay? They're looking to, they want people to lament that they don't have the money. They want people to struggle to pay their heating bills. Do you know what the heating bills are around this world right now? I mean, what's going on in Europe right now? The heating bills, the, 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 I should say the energy bills, the heating and cooling bills, the energy bills in Europe are so high, they've more than doubled in the last year. This is what's going on. I mean, Emmanuel Macron of, of France said the, the, the days of plenty are over. He's telling his people, get used to tightening your belts, folks. These European leaders are telling their people, 
get used to tightening your belts. You're not going to have it like you had it. Now think about that level of hopelessness that those people are going to be living under. This is what the leader of France just said. You know, when you look at the costs of energy across the across Europe right now, Germany, I mean, the cost of energy in Germany is two, three times what it was, okay? I mean, when you look at the productivity of the American worker, the amount of GDP, okay, produced by every hour worked in these countries is, is like half of what it is in this country. Think about that. They're, they're unproductive in the workplace. There's there's hopelessness out there. And when, when hope is gone, it makes people just sick to their heart. And it makes them suicidal, makes them angry, makes them angry at each other. You know, you, we can't live in hopelessness. We can't live a, a hopeless life. Despair takes over, and they just can't live in despair. Fear is propagated, propagated endlessly which adds to the suicide rate across these countries. And, you know, which, I mean, what we have to, what we have to produce and what we have to put forward is, look, folks, you know, this country right now is in a bad way. We're on the slippery slope right now. I mean, most people in this country believe in heaven, but not everyone talking about heaven ain't going there. We also know that too, okay? And we need hope beyond death, and death is the, it's totally paralyzed people. That's the biggest fear. The worst thing is to end up is to, is to end up in eternity without without hope. You know, I remember Luke nineteen sixteen through thirty one. It was the great reversal. That was the the one where you had that. You know, the, it was like one of Jesus's worst of all possibilities, the most terrifying of all of his parables. Okay, the rich, likely religious man is the man featured and is the main feature in there, if you will, and he expects heaven. And it was expected that in that culture, so you got to remember in the in the Jewish culture, but even in today's culture, even today, when you watch people that are well off, people that are well off and are enjoying success or enjoying money, it's it's like it's presumed, okay, that they have they they're they're they're, they're they have favor with God, so that because of their goodness, their 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 placement in life, if you will, their statusing the culture and the society okay is 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 affirmation that they must be doing right and they must be doing well well that was the same way back then in, in israel at the time so you know righteous people experienced all the good that was believed that okay well lazarus was a poor man he was being comforted you know by 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 dogs licking his open sores okay at the time he didn't have any comfort in this world but Jesus described us and warned with the story with the, was was basically his you know was compassionate so he could describe the heart of the contrast and reverse. So Lazarus, okay, got comforted and the rich man did. And you know the Pharisees could never accept that. They could never understand how a wretched beggar would be standing next to Abraham. They couldn't understand that. So when Jesus talked to these parables, he addressed these things. Well, people today see Christians, they see people like us. As sort of like the, the the lunatics, if you will, the people that they can't relate to, because they can't see that they cannot see their need. You know, the impardonable sin that Jesus talked about was the denying of the Holy Spirit, and what he talked about was when people denied that the miracles that were being done were being done by God. He was they they were denying that they because again they couldn't believe it. So Jesus's miracles were affirmation 
that he was God, because only God could forgive sins, which is what he claimed to be doing, because forgiving sins. So only God could forgive sins. But then Jesus was also going in there and performing these miracles. They were like, well, only God could heal the leper. Only God could heal the blind. Only God could do these, these miracles. So he was answering there. He was affirming what his authority was basically to, to forgive sins by, by his miracles. He was using those miracles to affirm his authority. We as Christians in this world are basically a challenge because we have to stand up for what's right. We're being challenged every day. We see what's going on in society. We have to stand out against what's wrong. We have to stand out against crazy and safe policies. And when we don't, when we're trying to find the, the, the middle ground politically, we're not helping anybody. We have to draw the distinctive, the distinctive difference between the insane and the, the, the sane. I mean, when someone tries to proclaim there's 50 different genders, we have to say that's insane. Not reach a compromise and say, well, there's not 50 different genders, but I can agree with 10. Is that really the compromise we're looking for? You know, we have to understand that that when we when we say that laws preventing parental rights for parents protecting their children is wrong. I mean, do we really believe that the people, do, do the lawmakers really believe in California and in Oregon and in Washington where they pass these laws? Do they really believe that a, a 12-year-old child can make the right decision for their gender affirmation? Do they really believe that a confused child can 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 authorize themselves to go through through, through, through hormone therapy and, and worse, maybe mutilation to their bodies. Do they really believe that that 12-year-old child or that 14-year-old child can make that decision at that age? Do they believe that? That's insane, okay? And when they're saying, well, we don't want the parents involved in this, we want people that are willing to help these young people change their lifestyle and change their lives forever by denying who they are, literally, it's making it illegal for parents to prevent their children from denying who they are, who God created them to be. This is when you get your children and run them out of California because the state is passing laws denying parents the right to protect their children from that crazy, insane way of thinking, okay? This is what we're looking at today. If we don't call that out, what are we doing to ourselves? If we don't, if we don't call out someone who doesn't want to go to work who would rather instead protest on a corner, if you will, or be an, a, a revolutionary, if you will, and to prevent Amazon from bringing jobs into their their congressional district, for you know, and and using carry as the, the 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 virtue signal, if you will, but to claim the nobility of being the one protecting the environment. I mean, is that more important in the lives of of the people that live there? The twenty five thousand jobs that place would have created. And of which most of those jobs were upper end jobs of 60, 70, 80,000 or more. This is what everyone understood. They took those jobs out. They took that economic boost out of Cortez's district because Cortez wanted to deny that. Why would she do that? We go back full circle into the show as we started that earlier. You know, why would she stop that from happening? Because she's not looking for what's best for her constituents. She's looking to control her constituents, to prevent them from pursuing their happiness. She wants to limit their happiness to thresholds that she defines and others like her define. When Pol Pot, okay, won the war, won the war in Cambodia, 
That's when the killing fields began. When Mao Zedong won the war in China, that's when the killing fields began. When these Jacobins win their revolutions, when they when these uh, these 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 crazy revolutionary politicians in this country win their battles against Amazon, keeping them out of their districts, what are they doing? Well, the, that's where the pain and suffering really begins. They want to instill more pain, more suffering. They want to prevent people from pursuing their happiness. This is the truth of it, folks. This is why Republicans are gaining voter registrations all across the country, right here at PA. Like I said, we're at least 200,000 votes better than we were five years ago. I know that. I know Berks County, where I live, actually has more Republicans now than than Democrats. And, you know, when we were when we first moved here in 2002, Berks County had about 60,000 more Democrats than, than Republicans. That was part of it. So we know where things were and we know where things are today. Folks, we, we understand why Americans want America first and we know why. And, and, you know, we can understand why they've indicted Trump. It has to do with the fact they know that Trump has the best chance of winning and he will reverse all of these things and he will bring America back to the forefront and do what's best for this country. And, I mean, he will, he has got the deep state quaking right now because, well, like Christopher Fayre and others, they know what's going to happen, okay? They're going to have to move to Boise, Idaho, or or Casper, Wyoming, because that's where they're going to move the federal building. Okay, and I think that's just going to be delicious. I can't wait to see what Donald Trump does to revamp the Department of Justice and to move it and to basically make it so that you don't have these levels of corruption any longer. Well, folks, we have to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in to be with us today. Thanks for spending time with us on this Saturday morning. As you do every Saturday, have you been it for every Saturday for the last five years? Thanks for being with us today. See you next week on the point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.